Our summaries this week contain two cases on contracts, both in the Arkansas Court of Appeals. In Altice USA, Inc. v. Runyon, 2023, ARC App 124, the Arkansas Court of Appeals reversed an order that denied a motion to compel arbitration and ruled an invoice reference to a residential services agreement on the company website containing an arbitration clause was sufficient assent since the customer continued service. Judge Brown wrote, The appellant, Altice USA, Inc., does business in Arkansas as Suddenlink Communications. Suddenlink provides cable television, internet, and telephone services to subscribing customers throughout Arkansas. Appellees Pam and Jesse Runyon filed a complaint in the Clark County Circuit Court alleging that they were entitled to damages on claims of unjust enrichment and violations of the Arkansas Deceptive Trade Practices Act. Suddenlink unsuccessfully moved to compel arbitration in circuit court, and pursuant to Arkansas Code Annotated Section 16-108-228 and Rule 2A-2 of the Arkansas Rules of Appellate Procedure Civil, it now takes this appeal. As we do in four other cases that we decide today on similar facts, we reverse and remand. The circuit court erred when it denied Suddenlink's motion to compel arbitration. The Runyon's payment of the invoices that their daughter received from Suddenlink, which directed them to the RSA available on Suddenlink's website, manifested their assent to its terms, and the arbitration provision otherwise appears in writing on Suddenlink's website and is supported by mutuality of obligation. End of quote. The arguments follow. Quote, Suddenlink filed a motion to compel arbitration on July 16, 2021. The motion alleged that Suddenlink bills for its services a month in advance, and each month Suddenlink subscribers receive a billing statement which provides that payment of the subscriber's bill constitutes acceptance of the terms of Suddenlink's residential services agreement. The residential services agreement, Suddenlink said, contains the binding arbitration provisions set forth above. The Runyons manifested their agreement to binding arbitration, according to Suddenlink, by continuing to receive, accept, and pay for the services that Suddenlink provided under the terms and conditions of the Residential Services Agreement. The disputes raised in the Runyon's complaint, moreover, fall within the scope of the arbitration agreements. Suddenlink attached the affidavit of David Felican, the Supervisor of Customer Care at Altice USA, to its motion to compel arbitration. Mr. Felican testified that the monthly billing statement sent to the Runyons contain a reference and link to Suddenlink's general terms of service and residential services agreement and state that payment of your bill confirms your acceptance of the residential services agreement viewable at suddenlink.com slash terms policy. Mr. Felican further testified that the Runyons did not opt out of their arbitration agreements with Suddenlink and they regularly paid their daughter's monthly Suddenlink bills. The Residential Services Agreement, or RSA, as well as the bills that the Runyons paid from June 2019 to March 2021, were attached as exhibits to Mr. Felican's affidavit. In response they filed on July 20, 2021, the Runyons alleged that Suddenlink offers services with no contract and charges customers for services a month in advance. They further alleged that they never signed or received any contract or agreement for Suddenlink services, and the motion to compel should be denied because they never signed any written agreement or contract with Suddenlink, 
including any which would justify a waiver of their right to seek relief in a court of law. The Runyons' response also claimed that they never received any documents or any bills from Suddenlink. The Runyons also pointed to the circuit court's previous denials of Suddenlink's motion to compel arbitration in related cases and additionally argued that the terms of the RSA and its arbitration language are unconscionable and unenforceable because they lack reasonably certain subject matter. That is, they provide that Suddenlink may, in its sole discretion, change, modify, add, or remove portions of the RSA and notify customers by posting notice of such changes on Suddenlink's website. Appley Pam Runyon executed an affidavit that Appley's attached to their response. There, she testified that she is her daughter's legal guardian, and as her guardian, she handles her daughter's business affairs. Ms. Runyon also stated that J.R.'s Suddenlink bill increased drastically in 2020, and that neither she nor J.R. signed any contract or other agreement for Suddenlink services. Ms. Runyon further testified that she made several unsuccessful attempts to contact Suddenlink about the increased charges. End of quote. Four companion cases were decided similarly. End of decision. In Metropolitan Tower Life Insurance Company versus Roosevelt Land Partners Corporation, 2023 ARC at 105, the Arkansas Court of Appeals considered the question of whether annuity payments by MetLife that arose from a Longshore and Harbor Workers' Compensation Act injury might be assigned. The trial court approved the assignment, but the appellate court disagreed and reversed. Judge Abramson wrote, Appellants, Metropolitan Tower Life Insurance Company and MetLife Assignment Company, Inc., collectively referred to as MetLife, became obligated to make payments to Appalee Donald Hill under a structured settlement annuity agreement pursuant to the Longshore and Harbor Workers' Compensation Act, or LHWCA, 33 U.S.C. Sections 901 at SEC, for work-related injuries Hill suffered while working in Afghanistan. A settlement was reached between Hill, his employer, DynCorp International, and the employer's insurer, Continental Insurance Company, CNA, which necessitated the contract for the Structured Settlement Annuity Agreement with MetLife. Hill sought to transfer his LHWCA payments to GenX Capital Corporation in accordance with the Arkansas Structured Settlement Protection Act, or ARSSPA, codified at ARC Code and Sections 2381701 etc for a discounted lump sum payment by executing a structured settlement annuity sale and assignment agreement on June 14, 2020. GenX subsequently assigned its interest in the assignment agreement to Appalee, Roosevelt Land Partners Corp. The Clark County Circuit Court approved the transfer of Hill's structured settlement rights to Roosevelt and MetLife appeals. We reverse and remand the Circuit Court's order approving the transfer. End of quote. This case is controlled by statutory interpretation, with the opinion looking to both federal and state codifications. Quote, In the definition section of the LHWCA, 33 U.S.C. Section 902, compensation is defined as follows. Compensation means the money allowance payable to an employee or to his dependents as provided for in this chapter. 33 U.S.C. Section 902.12. 
Section 916 of the LHWCA declares no assignment, release, or commutation of compensation or benefits due or payable under this chapter, except as provided by this chapter, shall be valid. In the present case, the phrase due or payable as set forth in 33 U.S.C. Section 916 can be defined by the terms of the LHWCA settlement at issue. It is undisputed that Hill's structured settlement arose from a settlement of his claims pursuant to the LHWCA. As set forth in 33 U.S.C. Section 902.12, the definition of compensation is not limited in scope, but is money allowance payable to an employee. The LHWCA settlement order discharged the liability of the employer and insurance carrier in accordance with the terms of the LHWCA settlement. The LHWCA settlement specifically provided that MetLife would be assigned CNA's obligation to make the future payments to heal, which constitute damages on account of personal injuries arising from an occurrence within the meaning of Section 104A1 of the Internal Revenue Code. Further, the LHWCA settlement order ordered the employer and the insurance carrier to pay all amounts due under the LHWCA settlement and the obligation under the LHWCA settlement to make such periodic payments was unambiguously assigned to MetLife. Hill continued to receive periodic payments for his work-related injury from MetLife pursuant to the LHWCA settlement throughout the proceedings below. As such, the payments received by Hill from MetLife constituted compensation due or payable under the LHWCA and Section 916. Therefore, Hill's attempted transfer of his LHWCA settlement payments would contravene 33 U.S.C. Section 916 as prohibited by ART Code and Sections 2381-7043 and 2881-707E. Consequently, the Circuit Court's determination that the transfer agreement did not contravene any applicable statute or the order of any court or other government authority was clear error. Upon de novo review of the record, we hold that the Circuit Court erred as a matter of law in its interpretations of 33 U.S.C. Section 916 and Art Code and Sections 2381-7043 and 2881-707E. We hold that 33 U.S.C. Section 916 prohibits the assignment or transfer of any benefits or compensation payable pursuant to the LHWCA, including those payable under a structured settlement annuity agreement, because such compensation is due or payable under the LHWCA. We hold that Hill's attempted transfer of his structured settlement payments would contravene 33 U.S.C. Section 916 because Hill's attempted transfer of his structured settlement payments would violate Section 916 of the LHWCA, the transfer is prohibited by the ARSSPA, Art Code and Sections 2381-7043 and 2881-707E. Because we hold that Hill's attempted transfer of his structured settlement payments contravene the ARSSPA, we need not address MetLife's additional arguments on appeal. We reverse the Circuit Court's approval of Hill's attempted transfer to Roosevelt and remand for further proceedings consistent with this opinion. End of quote. The Arkansas Structured Settlement Protection Act, as quoted in the opinion, provides 
No direct or indirect transfer of structured settlement payment rights shall be effective, and no structured settlement obligor or annuity issuer shall be required to make any payment directly or indirectly to any transferee of structured settlement payment rights unless the transfer has been approved in advance in a final court order or order of a responsible administrative authority based on express findings by the court or responsible administrative authority that, one, the transfer is in the best interest of the payee, taking into account the welfare and support of the payee's dependents, two, the payee has been advised in writing by the transferee to seek independent professional advice regarding the transfer and has either received the advice or knowingly waived the advice in writing, and three, the transfer does not contravene any applicable statute or the order of any court or other government authority. End of quote, end of decision.